Welcome to The Real Film Chronicles. In today's very special episode, your hosts, Brian and Nathan, are going to be running through some of their favorite vampire films. This was originally recorded as a bit of a precursor to the Day Shift episode. And as you may be familiar, sometimes the guys talk about some of their favorite films relating to the main feature before they get going in depth. In this case, the vampire genre talk lasted long enough that we felt it warranted its own episode. Oh yes, in case you're wondering, my name is Cell, and I'm an AI bot sent in to help the guys record these intros when they don't have the time or patience to do it themselves. Ah, oh, such lazy humans. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I think, as you mentioned yesterday, we should maybe have a quick peek at some of our favorite or maybe some of the iconic vampire movies that have come about over the past few decades, if not longer. I mean, what are some of your favorite ones? Like when you think vampire movie, what are some of the first ones that come to mind? Right. Okay. So top of the list, I think would have to be from dusk till dawn. Yeah. Uh, it was a collaboration between Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez back in the day. I think the legend was, I don't know if it's true or not that Tarantino wrote the first half of the script, pass it off to a Rodriguez. Oh, okay. uh, we took it in a wildly, obviously wildly yeah, different yeah. direction. Oh, that's interesting. I could totally see that because the movie does have like a very <laughs> yeah. definite, like here's a turning point of like monster mayhem. Yeah, and was that like, was such like a great a movie. Crime slash heist movie turns into like a vampire yeah. survival movie. Um, but it's got the right mix of action, horror, comedy, and camp. Got Quentin Tarantino in there, George Clooney, Selma Hayek, um, Juliette Lewis. You've got Tom Savini appearing on screen. Yeah. Tom's like legendary um, effects, um, horror effects and horror makeup um, guru, Tom Savini. It was really nice seeing him in that movie not knowing who he was because like I saw it probably like 97, yeah. 98. What I think we rented on pay-per-view at the time and I recorded it on a tape to watch it again later on. And then over the years of experiencing horror movies, seeing his career and how much influence he had on a ton of different horror franchises. It was just mm -hmm. it was so retrospectively really nice to see him in there, but please go ahead. Yeah. I think that one like from dust till dawn is, is peak for me. Um, I love, Tarantino and Rodriguez. Um, another one that comes to mind is Byzantium. Um, okay. It's one of, I think, two movies directed by Neil Jordan about vampires, the other one being um, Interview with a Vampire. Um, oh, okay, yeah. Which is also um, on my list of kind of top vampire movies. Um, there was one from, it's 2014, I don't know, it was a couple of years back, um, Only Lovers Left Alive with um, Tom Hiddleston and Tilda Swinton. Yep. It's a couple of vampires dealing with uh, existential ennui after centuries of being alive and uh, just trying to sort their stuff out psychologically. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of a deconstruction of the vampire mythos. With so there's some, It's not a comedy, but there's some comedic elements mixed in there. Yep. Um, Kronos was it the first movie by Guillermo del Toro. First feature it, length, it or one, might of the, be. one of the first feature lengths. It's one of the only Del Toro movies I have yet to see, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's really neat. Like that one, like Byzantium, I like it, takes a, a different twist on the vampire mythos. It's really good. Um, also stars, is it Gemma Arterton? Yeah. If I'm pronouncing that correctly. And then uh, Sorcy Ronan, before she came into the limelight with stuff like Lady Bird. 
I remember watching like um, Hannah and Byzantium before yeah, Sosia yeah. Ronan was like a household name kind of thing. Was she the main girl in Hannah? Yeah. Really? Holy jeez. It's been yeah, an yeah. ages. So it was like, film. it was like, I was a fan before it was cool. I was like, I'm a, a Sorcy Ronan hipster. hipster. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, some other good ones. Daybreakers um, with Ethan Hawke, who, okay. I would, who I would cast in everything and I would never cut out of my movie. Also Sam Neill's in that one. It's kind of neat. It's set in, I think, the dystopic future of 2019. Um, when vampires are essentially the dominant species, um, humans are kept in tanks, um, kept alive for their blood. Oh, I it's, did see that. Yeah, that was a weird film. It's a loose metaphor for like resource um, scarcity. Like I think you talk about like oil and natural gas. You, you look at like, oh, we need like the kind of yeah, a, yeah. It's a thinly veiled metaphor for kind of resource scarcity. Uh, it was kind of a cool take on things. Willem Dafoe's in that one as well. Yeah. That one, they actually do find a cure for vampirism. Uh, spoiler alert. I don't know how spoilery that is, but uh, that was a solid movie. Um, think uh, probably Blade, I have to mention up there. Um, I still haven't seen the third one. I've seen the first what? two. <laughs> I know. What? You just just go watch that right now. We'll, we'll pick up recording afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Some other solid ones. Um, I think we were just talking before the recording about what we do in the shadows, which is absolutely uh, brilliant. Love comedic it. take. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as as Brian did. This is one of his top comedies of of all time, apparently. <laughs> apparently, I can confirm it is one of my top comedies. Yes, <laughs> you're you're right here, so you can confirm. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, what are some other the top tier ones here? The ones I've out of the ones I've seen, that is. Um, I think those are kind of probably top tier vampire movies. What any any top tier vampire movies that I may have missed or a completely different list here? Well, there are there are there's a there are a few. Yes. Okay. And I'll go through a little bit. Like I put together a quick list. Uh I, I wanted to challenge myself initially, think, all right, without looking at a list, what are vampire movies, the first ones that come to mind? And for some reason I threw the Lost Boys at the very, very top. You know what? I know why. It's because I watched Flatliners uh, last week with Kiefer Sutherland, who was also in Lost Boys, and there's some like cross references going on there. I think. Yeah, the Lost Boys never. I didn't watch it when I was a kid, so maybe the nostalgia value, yeah. for me, isn't there. But like, I, I watched it a couple of years ago, and I'm just like, eh. Yeah, it may not be it that okay. great in retrospect, know. but uh, it's it's definitely iconic one way or another. What we, it's <laughs> iconic for sure. Yeah. Uh, what we do in the shadows, of course, you mentioned. Love the film. I don't watch it often enough, but I don't find I, I really go back to comedies very often. But um, Interview with the Vampire, for sure. I mean, what was that mid '90s? That was a pretty big film. I mean, having Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise like in one movie, boom, oh, yeah. that, that was guaranteed. And then, of course, being an adaptation of Anne Rice's uh, source material. I mean. We grew up with Anne Rice books. I've never read a single one, to be honest with you. But everyone knew yeah. about Anne Rice and her vampire world. It's like, I wouldn't be surprised if her like uh, take on a vampire was like very defining for an entire generation. Oh, probably. Underworld. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Well, I have, I've, I put Underworld kind of in my mid-tier. I have like a mid-tier list here oh, as well. Oh, okay. I didn't go that far. I just wanted to shoot out some some iconic like top of my head vampire movies and of course underworld 
Uh, I mean, I really, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I watched all five, like once a, one a week, had a lot of fun watching them. And I really, oh, yeah. I just recently picked them up on 4k disc and I'm really looking forward to revisiting them. I mean, they're, they're, they're good fun. It's, it's I really enjoy pleasure. them and <laughs> for what they are, um, I, I'm going to watch them again, but for me, they're not like top tier vampire yeah. flicks like, it's no, like I middle mean, of the road fair. like i'm gonna watch it but i'm like it's not they don't they're not necessarily genre defining for me no um, yeah i mean that's absolutely fair like I, I i'm not thinking about star ratings when i threw together this list i'm not oh they're just yeah underworld movies absolutely ton yeah. of fun i just love watching kate beckinsale kick uh a ton of butt and um let the right one in as well as the american remake of let me in i haven't seen them yet yeah, two really, I mean, they're good. They're they're interesting. It's like, of course, the title plays on one of the classic vampire, uh, I don't want to call it a trope, but like just a, a vampire like mythos thing. Part of just the like, mythology, right. Yeah, of just like you have to invite a vampire in to to your home in order for them to actually enter enter your premises. Uh, Blade, of course, I mean, that was iconic back in the day. Yeah, uh, We are getting Blade again in the MCU uh, he's coming back in with a movie or a TV series. I'm not movie. I think right? Ma- a movie. Maharashtra okay. Ali. I'm probably butchering that name as well. And of course, this one, uh, a little on the vampire fringe, but Van Helsing, uh, specifically because I have that in my in my mid tier. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know Stephen Sommers, you know director of the Mummy, and it has that kind of adventure feel to it. Uh, it's Hugh Jackman, I believe, and uh, it has that entire intro scene as like a shot-for-shot shot remake of one of the classic Universal monster movies. Oh, yeah, when they're uh, the peasants kind of storming the castle there, right? Yeah. 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 It, was, it was really neat. That's probably, it probably shows why that's the, that's the best part of the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Kate Beckinsale <laughs> is in that one as well. So uh, Oh, we, she definitely <laughs> is. <laughs> Oh my god! So it's I just know these things for for science, Brian. In house, Kate Beckinsale, expert Nathan in the Real Film Chronicles. Um, I threw on uh, vampires, uh, the John Carpenter vampires, just because I watched that a couple of years ago. Definitely not yeah. a top tier or maybe even middle tier film. It's weird because like I love like you and I both are huge John Carpenter fans, and I finally watched um, vampires. Usually I see it as John Carpenter's vampires. Like it's hard. It sounds weird just saying vampires for me. That's like really like potentially like my least favorite John Carpenter film. Definitely lower tier. I think I gave it like a three out of five stars. So it's like not God awful. Which is still a respectable score, but still on the lower end of Carpenter. Yeah. I was just like, I was really kind of disappointed. You need to go out and watch the ward. So that, uh, that takes the lower tier. <laughs> you might break under three stars for that one. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've heard, I've heard things. And of course, from dusk till dawn, I mean, that movie was like, I, I do have vivid memories of watching that and seeing all the stars like George Clooney. Um, I don't know if I'd seen Pulp Fiction at that time or not, but like I knew who Quentin Tarantino was at least probably just through the movie magazines, right? Uh, Juliette Lewis from a few films before. I mean, she was, she was natural a, born killers, man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, I was getting to that age. It's like, I'm watching a lot of these harder R rated movies. And that one, like from dust till dawn, just fit right in. I was just, oh, yeah. what a, like, and the, the humor in it as well. Like just the absurdity of like the last half. And some of the stuff going on was, was really neat. 
the thing too is like just seeing George Clooney as like a, a badass like action star. I I don't seen him before like in ER and stuff, right? Like, that's where he yeah. got his start. Was on, and then like I think there were some rom coms and stuff. So like seeing him as like a an action star was like he, he's really good at it too. And like hey, there was a ser- there was a run there when he was doing a bunch of action movies, right? And I think that came out a year before Batman and Robin. So his take on places. I don't know. I don't know if I want to know. I don't know if I want to call it a take on his Batman or not. But he was in Batman and Robin as Batman. He, he was there. Um, <laughs> he showed up on set. It changed his career forever. Um, and of course, the last one I had in my uh, off the top of my head was none other than Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula, starring none other than Keanu Reeves and I think Winona Ryder was in there. Um, and. Gary Oldman? Gary Oldman, who I don't think I really <laughs> was familiar with at the time, like back in the early, let's say mid-90s. Yeah, I think Anthony Hopkins plays Van Helsing in that, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, that movie is, is loaded with, it was, with stars. <laughs> it was bonkers. I got to go back and watch it because like- Oh, yeah. I watched it when I was younger. Um, maybe didn't, not in the right context. But now, like having seen a lot more movies and had some time to reflect- um, might be able to appreciate it a bit more. Yeah. Carrie Elwes is in there too. Carrie. Oh man. That, that I did not remember. I mean, those are the sort of the ones off the top of my head. There are a few, I, I found a, a couple more in my mid tier list. Uh, okay. Near dark, which oh, again, yes. I saw later on in life. Uh, it was like, people will swear by this movie. I thought it was just okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Buffy, the vampire slayer, the original movie there. Yeah. Uh, which was, it was okay. It was interesting. I, I mean, I think I, I don't think I ever watched that again after maybe once or twice. And I never did go on to watch the TV series, Bad Spot, which is immensely popular, right? I mean, yeah, that went I on for many years. Buffy, the TV show, like sporadically, I wasn't, for whatever reason, it just never clicked with me. I thought it was a fine show. Like, uh, it was, it came at the time too, when we were teenagers kind of going through a lot of the teenage yep stuff that they were going through, like all the teenage drama component of the show. But for some reason it just, uh, didn't click with me, but like, I remember it was on after school and stuff. So like, we just, we're going to catch a couple episodes, um, at some point. Right. Um, there's another one shadow of the vampire. Now, was that the sort of like making of, uh, Nosferatu Willem Dafoe was in it, I think. Yeah. And John, John Malkovich. Where like they were filmed, it was like a a play on the old vampire movies. It was like oh, it's like a Nosferatu looking guy. He was a movie star. Turned out he actually was a vampire. I think. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah classic. Then I put this on here too. Technically, space vampires, but life force. Yeah, yeah, I saw that in a couple of lists. I was just like, I wasn't sure. I remember seeing that ages ago, and it's like I liked it. I mean, there's some there's some good things happening in that movie, but uh, and then like uh, low low tier here. Low tier, all right. Uh, Morbius, I think. Uh, oh my goodness! <laughs> Isn't there a lower tier than low tier on your list? <laughs> well, the other ones in my low tier are Twilight. Yeah. Okay. I'm just the general, yeah, the entire yeah. films, and then maybe I'll bump this up to mid tier. But Thirty Days of Night, I wasn't uh, wasn't a huge fan of that one. It was just I don't know. I haven't seen it in years. I love the concept, but yeah, no, I don't remember that one kind of failed but yeah there was a couple other ones i haven't seen yet um that i want to give a shout out to though maybe encourage other people um a girl walks home alone at night yeah very highly rated 
Yeah, directed by Anna Lily Amapour, who directed The Bad Batch. It was another film I would recommend. Not Vampires, but also great. Oh, there's Vampire's Kiss, starring Nick Cage. Oh, I I had wow. no idea. I was just I was doing a little bit of research on this. I was like, oh, we gotta huh. watch uh, some Nick Cage action here. Uh, Martin by George A. Romero. Yeah, which I haven't checked out yet. Uh, which I sh- I need to. It's on my list as a Romero fan. Um, the Fright Night, both the original and the remake, are supposed to be pretty good. Okay, I haven't seen them yet though. Um, apparently, there's another movie here, The Hunger, which is apparently yeah. Tony Scott's directorial debut, starring David Bowie and Susan Sarandon. Which I did not know existed until about an hour ago, and now I'm I need to make it my life's mission to to see this. I just looked it up. I gave that movie a one and a half star, which is a very low rating for me. Yeah, I don't know if that's uh, I don't know. And then another seminal entry into the vampire mythos, uh, Embrace of the Vampire. Have I seen that or not? I don't remember. I know it's it's an iconic film. I don't know if I've seen the entire thing all the way through <laughs> um not being not being crude because it's known for it's yeah. Alyssa milano and there's a lot of um nudity in there but i think we'd started watching it i think in university at one point mm. and then we got distracted by something else i think it was video games or something and yeah, just like yeah. for whatever reason we just never finished it or drinking or something i don't know but we These things are gonna happen yeah we watched it it's like there was the the fact it was a titillation factor is like oh a bunch of naked people with vampires but even that didn't hold our attention <laughs> <laughs> but that was like but it's funny like vampires have like across genres from horror to action to softcore porn to comedy it's, it's fair to say that um ever since bram stoker's original novel and even before that the whole mythology like it's really something about the vampire mythos has yeah. captured our imaginations and continues to capture our imaginations. It's one of those mythologies that is continually, you know, adapted, readapted, uh, imagined and reimagined across genres, across cultures. Um, it's just really interesting to see. I'm not sure um, you'd have to talk to a psychologist, I guess, to look at uh, what makes the vampire mythology so appealing but I have to admit, it's like, yeah, like vampires and werewolves for whatever reason. Yeah. You say, you tell me there's a movie about vampires. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna be interested right away, right? It piques my interest. But I can't tell you um, what in my buried in my subconscious or our collective unconscious um, draws yeah. me to these, to these stories. Well, they're so, they're so, I, I keep, can't get off the word iconic here. Like they're just so ingrained in our culture. They've been around. The idea of a like a vampire type creature has been around for hundreds, if not over a thousand years, and maybe it's the the allure of the immortality that they can provide, or just like the tabooness of like having to feed on other people like that. That like there's uh, something cannibalistic about them, right? Yeah, which is one of the kind of great taboos. There's also you look at a lot of these vampire stories; they're often um, closely related with. There's a lot of sexual imagery. Yeah. Um, even stuff that's not actually softcore porn, but if you look at something with like interview with the vampire, um, that one there was a lot of um, sexual tension, a lot of homoerotic tension, a lot more than I would have mm-hmm. picked up on as, as a kid, maybe, especially yeah. as a kid um, growing up in a smaller town without that exposure to more cosmopolitan concerns. But like the sexual tension between 
I'll just Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, but between Brad Pitt and Antonio Banderas later on. Oh, that's right. He, yeah, I forgot he was in there. Too. I was like, it was not just tension, but like it was explicit where they were talking about like hooking up and stuff. Um, unfortunately, it was the '90s, so like didn't get a lot of explicit homoerotic content. But it was like to have even that listed, like where they were talking openly about, it was like, oh yeah, we're like, I want you. I was like, oh, this is slight, maybe not super progressive, but I think there was. Um, an element of, of progressiveness in there. Yeah. I, w- I wonder if we'll ever get a interview with the vampire. Uh, I don't want to say a remake because it's more of a, like an, an additional adaptation of the, like the original novels and source material. Cause Lestat, I, I think he's been in a great number of books. I mean, Anne Rice wrote about him quite a bit. I well, think there's also, there was another movie queen of the damned, which is apparently chronologically oh, in the yes. books that took place exact right after um, interview with the vampire. And it, it was a different actor playing Lestat, but uh, yeah, I haven't, and I haven't seen that one either, so I can't, and I haven't read the book, so I can't comment intelligently, but she yeah. seemed to love that character of Lestat, right? There's, there were a couple of stats I pulled out and just sort of researching in general about vampires. And I mean, Bram Stoker is kind of referenced as like, that was the turning point. That novel like really got it started, but- well, it kind of codified all the, all the, all the mythology yeah. into- Essentially, essentially, like Bram Stoker was to vampires, what George A. Romero ended up being to zombies, right? We're essentially taking, remixing, and kind of codifying all the elements in that mythology um, in that structured way. And for some reason, I failed to write down the year on this, but there was another uh, a novel, I think that preceded Bram Stoker's by about 60 or 70 years, just called The Vampire, like Vampire, John Polidoro, Polidori. Okay. And in, in Wikipedia, it says he gave birth to the charismatic and sophisticated vampire because they were seen as more like night creatures, like more feral things. And it's like, like animalistic. Okay. His take was like, all right, these are humans and they're, they're kind of like going to be out to blend in and trick you. And like they're, they, you fall under like the spell, the, maybe the hypnosis of the vampire, which is another uh, common trait that vampires have is that they can sort of uh, hypnotize people and have them do their bidding type of thing, right? And then Bram Stoker provided that more modern vampire legend that we've all sort of, it was okay. so, so out there and is like so popular. That's a lot of modern vampirism is based on Bram Stoker's Yeah, Bram Stoker wasn't the original, but I think he was the kind of the, the modern, um, he was like the the beginning of the modern take on the vampire mythos, right? What I call modern is a fairly long, long period of uh, time, literarily speaking here, but get the idea. And I, I just uh, probably, this might get cut out, but basically I, I watched a Japanese anime, Vampire Hunter D last night. Oh, I've been wanting to watch that. Yeah, really. It was, it was really interesting. I saw an IMDb trivia where they tried to base this vampire stuff, like the vampire lore, not on Bram Stoker's, but on the Hammer Horror. So Hammer was a production company, I think a, yeah. a British production company that was famous for a lot of like reimaginings of the classic, you know, vampires, werewolves, all all the different, you know, cryptids and, and whatnot that are out there. And so they tried to base it on that. And there are some Mm-hmm. Some variances from that, especially the shape shifting stuff, because that's another trait that uh, vampires are yeah. always known for. Is like mostly for shifting into a bat, but they could possibly shape shift into other yeah, things. Yeah, they too. touched on that. I don't know if you watched the um, the Dracula 
um, I could call it a mini series, a limited series on Netflix there from a couple of years back. I think it was Stephen Moffat's. Yeah, they touched on that too. It was like where the where Dracula is transforming into a wolf and back. Yeah, um, I think in what we do in the shadows, actually, um, for all the for all the humor and humorous elements and satirical elements, there was actually a, they were drawing like pretty heavily on the on the vampire mythos and like the whole idea of like transforming into stuff. Like I think at one time, is it Jermaine Clement transforms into the cat, but it's got his face on it. It's really uncanny. Yeah, yeah. Uncanny Valley there. <laughs> then they have like their bat fight and everything. But yeah, horrific. Yeah, it's incredibly <laughs> hilarious. Um, another thing I saw uh, online was was just talking about how vampires are mathematically impossible to exist. Right in all our modern interpretations, if you're been by a vampire, this is another common trait. You will you essentially turn into a vampire, right? Depending on the mythos. Depending on the mythos, right? Because like looking at a couple of the mythos is like you have to like be bitten and then drink their blood. So it's like more of a process. But yeah, if you're if it's just a bite, then so yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, and I like I like the different variances that like each movie, like you you know you're gonna walk into a vampire movie, it's like, oh, what type of vampires is this gonna be? It's one of the exciting things of that is, is seeing the rules that they're gonna play by. But in this particular case, uh, a physics professor uh, basically figured, you know, if one of the first vampires was like seeing people, people were like reporting seeing real vampires in real life around 1600, right? And based on most modern uh, interpretations, it's like a vampire is going to feed conservatively maybe once a month. And they're saying if one vampire was in 1600 and fed on one person once a month and each subsequent person was turned into a vampire and they fed on one person per month, every single human would be gone in about 2.5 years. <laughs> and it's just like, so mathematically, the whole thing just doesn't, doesn't work well, out. And I, I kind of like there's the- There's a failing in that logic though, because not everybody who's okay. drained of blood and fed on is going to turn into a vampire. They're, most of them are going to be well, dead. Well, I mean, right? obviously this is taking <laughs> one specific interpretation. I mean, uh, I mean, you can't really argue with someone's belief of what a vampire does and doesn't do, right? For for all the the fictitious things happening here. Start my own religion about vampires. Start a vampire the vampire crusades. That's the other important thing is that there are like societies, like real life societies of like vampire hunters out there. Like the vampirism is a thing people want to sort of undertake and enjoy the lifestyle of, right? I mean, you've probably seen like prosthetics and whatnot of people turning their teeth into these fangs and, you know, pretending to drink blood. And I'm sure some people have drank real blood out of this whole thing. Isn't there like a whole subculture where like they actually do, like people will like willingly, like consensual, like they'll give blood and then other people will drink it or they'll drink each other's blood. So it's permeated through our culture uh, across multiple generations to the point where it's, it is becoming its own thing. Like there is real life representation of, of vampires. Out so there. there could be like in a couple hundred years, it could be like a, a vampire religion could spring up out of this. You never know right? how, how cultures develop. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That was another th- interesting thing about vampire hunter D is uh, it takes place like 10,000 years in the future or something in, in the year 12,000. <laughs> so it has that like, and that's, that's the other element is like a vampire movie can be set in any setting yeah. in the future. They, they, a lot of sci-fi, uh, elements are in vampire stuff. There's a lot of old, like medieval stuff with vampires. Like, there's no limit to in, the interpretations and settings of, of vampires on screen. I think I don't. I don't even think like in terms of superheroes. Like Morbius, I don't think he's the only vampire. And you got Blade, who's like half vampire. 
but there's a there's a like a bunch of different vampire characters in as, as superheroes, right? So like being reimagined as superheroes yeah. as well as like good guys or even or antiheroes. Definitely. I think I uh, one last thing I saw was that Dracula, the character Dracula, is only second to Sherlock Holmes in the number of on-screen representations in movies and like TV shows, right? I don't doubt it's just it. Just like that is how popular that character is and, and continues to be. And I don't think there's any copyright or trademark stuff to infringe upon Dracula's way out of the public domain. By yeah, now. I feel bad for. I don't think I've actually seen an entire dracula movie all the way through yet um including all the old hammer ones because there was a i think there was a series of them yeah yeah well there's the universal dracula stuff in the 30s of ben dracula was kind of like reborn in the hammer series like bella lugosi right yeah exactly and then you have like the christopher lee like played dracula yes, yes. probably i mean a dozen times might be exaggerated because i don't actually know but I mean, he is, I mean, you see Christopher Lee, you think vampire right there. I mean, he, he takes on those roles all the time. Christopher Lee played Dracula in every movie he ever did. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, <laughs> the entire movie industry is just one giant uh, Dracula multiverse. Yeah, Count Dooku, no, <laughs> vampire. It was Dracula. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> it would be easy to fit uh, vampires into the Star Wars universe. Now I want a force vampire. <laughs> That's a wrap on another episode. That sounded like a decent list of vampire films. We're going to have a list of them in the show notes here for you to reference so you can check out any that may have grabbed your interest. Thank you for listening to the episode, and we hope you tune in next time for the full conversation on Day Shift, a Netflix horror-slash-action-slash-comedy film starring Jamie Foxx and Dave Franco. You can find more episodes in your podcast feed or browse them over at realfilmchronicles.com, where you'll also find a trove of written reviews as well. More of Nathan's work can be seen at feedthevoicesinyourhead.blogspot.com. If you're feeling up to it, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. A positive rating or review on your podcast platform of choice, such as Apple Podcasts, would mean a lot to us as well. Of course, constructive criticism is always welcome, too. For The Real Film Chronicles, I'm Sal, and on behalf of the guys, take care of yourself and others, and be sure to enjoy your film journey. 